Today we're looking at, I started to say, can you guess what it's about? But uh, Joseph of Nazareth, I, I announced last Sunday that we're going to be looking at some of the uh, individuals involved in the Christmas story. Actually, I announced that two weeks ago. We started with uh, John the Baptist, and uh, or was that just last week? I'm, that was just last week? Has it been a long week for you guys? <laughs> Megan and I were talking about that last night. Last week felt like two or three weeks long. So, uh, Je- Joseph, and Joseph isn't mentioned a whole lot in Scripture, but we're going to look at most of the times that he's mentioned, and we're going to see what it says about him. We're also going to correct some of the misconceptions about him, because there's a lot of false teaching out there, uh, and uh, teaching that exalts Mary above the Lord even, and we need to correct that from the Scripture. So if you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, and then if you can mark your spot there, because we're going to be going from the first two chapters of Luke and uh, the first two chapters of Matthew, and uh, so we're going to go back and forth a little bit. But we start out hearing about Joseph chronologically, This is the first mention that we have of Joseph, and that's in Luke chapter 1 and in verse 26. Now It says, now in the sixth month, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. In the sixth month of her time with John the Baptist. So, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. We'll look at her another week. But what we see here, first of all, is Joseph is known simply as the man who's betrothed to Mary. That's that's how we start out. That's the first mention in Scripture and chronological mention. Uh, is of, of this Joseph, and he's betrothed to Mary. Now, what some churches teach, those churches that particularly want to exalt Mary, and they say Mary is a perpetual virgin, and she's still a virgin, and and the Scriptures teach otherwise. But what it, they teach is that Joseph was this old guy who already had kids, because the Bible talks about uh, Jesus' four brothers, and sisters. It doesn't mention them by name, but we know there were at least two girls and four boys in the family. Might have been more girls, we don't know, plus Jesus. And so uh, they, he had siblings, and so what those churches that exalt Mary, they say, well, Joseph was an older man whose wife had died, and he took Mary in so that she wouldn't be without a husband when the baby was born. All right. What came first? What we just read. What came first? The betrothal or the baby? The betrothal came first. They were already planning to get married before the angel even showed up. Before the angel announced to Mary she would conceive miraculously. Before that was even mentioned, she was already engaged to Joseph. Every indication in Scripture, here's a young woman and a young man. She would have been probably between 13 and 18 years old, and he would have probably been between 15 and 20, depending on how they fit within their culture and what was going on. And 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 they were going to get married, and they were already planning to get married. They already had a legal commitment to get married. 
They just didn't have the finishing ceremony yet. It's bigger than engagement that we have in our culture. In our culture, in fact, Kathy and I actually knew a guy, he got engaged three times before he actually got married. He married the third girl he was engaged to. And he was... He said, yeah, if you get engaged to them, it breaks down their resistance. That really comforted his wife, didn't it? So in our culture, you can get engaged and then unengaged. And, you know, emotionally, it's awkward. It's a little embarrassing. But legally, it's not a big deal. But in their culture, once you were betrothed, to actually get unbetrothed, you had to get divorced. Because it was a legal joining together of this couple. So we meet Joseph. He's known simply the guy betrothed to Mary. That's the way it is sometimes, right? Some people know you not who you are. They know you because of who your parents are or who your kids are or who you're married to or something like that. Uh, now look in verse number 39. Verse 39. After Gabriel talked to Mary, we'll look at that again another day. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. We talked about that a little bit. But Mary went to visit Elizabeth. Now, she is betrothed to Joseph. Normally, during the betrothal period, she had to stay at home with her parents. He had to stay at home with his parents until the year was finished and they would have the ceremony to officially completely unite them. So Mary broke the tradition of the betrothal period. She went away. She went to visit somebody. How long did she stay away? Well, the scriptures tell us that. Look down in verse 56. In verse 56, Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. So Mary stayed there with her for three months. This is very unusual during a betrothal period to have one of the two go away. Well, something even more amazing happened during that betrothal period. Uh, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 1, mark your spot here if you can. We'll be coming back and Matthew chapter 1. Now we, we, the, uh, we're, it's talking directly about Joseph, uh, Joseph the man. And it says in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows, or on this wise. By the way, Kathy's sister was in a church in uh, Washington, D.C.? Maryland. She was in a church in Maryland. And they, the kids were doing a little bit of a Christmas program, and the pastor's daughter got up to say that, to quote that verse, now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. She was quoting it from the King James, only she said, now, the birth of Jesus Christ was unwise. <laughs> kind of disrupted the Christmas program there. Um, <laughs> a little goof. And, of course, you know, it had to be the pastor's kid, you know. Couldn't have been the deacon's kid. but uh, Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, after the betrothal, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, Mary has gone away for three months. She comes back, and Joseph finds out not only was she gone for that time, now she comes back and says she's expecting a baby. 
What would be Joseph's natural assumption? She'd been unfaithful. And maybe that's why she'd fled away. And then felt guilty and came back. That was the natural assumption. However, this was not a natural occurrence, was it? This was a special miraculous occurrence that God was doing something that's never happened before or since in all of humanity. So, in verse 19, Joseph, her husband, when they were betrothed, they called each other husband and wife. They had the legal relationship already. In fact, as soon as I started dating Kathy, my brothers all called her the wife. Because they knew I dated other girls, but they knew I was smitten with her, and it was it was over. That's what they used to tell me. It's all over, Terry. You're, and and they called her the wife. They never called her Kathy. I'm not sure why. But uh, verse 19: Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately or secretly. See, there's different ways they could do that breaking of the betrothal. They could bring her up in front of everybody and accuse her and have her evaluated and prove that that she's expecting and then shame her. He could have done that. And it might have even been better for his business if he did because in their culture, they really frowned upon having a baby when you weren't married. In our culture, it's like accepted. But it's still not accepted by the Lord God's plan is still marriage first, then the baby. That like little kid song, you know, never mind. I can't sing it anyway. All right, some of you looked really blank, so I'll just go on. Verse 20, while he thought about these things. There's a couple of things that stand out in Scripture about Joseph and Mary. They're thinkers. They're not reactors. How many of you know somebody who's reactive? Now, no hands raised. How many of you are married to somebody who's reactive? No hands raised for self-preservation purposes. Uh, but, but they were thinkers. They think it through. And so he's evaluating this. He's thinking it through. And what do you think is going through his mind? I'm betrothed to Mary. Um, sometimes in their culture, marriages were arranged. But sometimes they were in love. Like Solomon uh, Raju, our missionary in India, his parents and her parents arranged their marriage. But they liked each other, and it went well, and they have such a great marriage. The same parents arranged the same situation for his younger brother and her younger sister. <laughs> so, uh, And sometimes arranged marriages work really well. I wanted to marry somebody my parents got along with. Um, it, it helps in the family dynamic a lot. And, but Joseph, uh, he shows compassion, concern for Mary. He's, he's not trying to ex- separate himself from her and shame her. He's thinking about putting her away privately, secretly. Because he has a heart to honor God. And right at this point, he thinks she doesn't. So he's going to make it private. So it's as, as, as least painful for Mary as possible. That's what he's planning to do. But then something happens. While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. Pause right there. See, in the Old Testament, 
It talked about the Messiah. And he would come out of the seed of David. And that was the plan. That was the prophecy. And, and so we have uh, the beginning of this chapter. It has the prophecy bringing, I'm sorry, the, the uh, heritage, the life uh, ancestry, bringing it down to Joseph to show that through uh, Joseph's lineage, because in their culture, the kingship and the inheritance came from father to son. And so it tracks it down to Joseph. Now, Mary also was a descendant of David. And so we find that in Luke. And so he fulfill, Jesus fulfills the biblical requirement through both his human father and his mother. So uh, he was a son of David. So the angel says, Joseph, son of David. Why does the angel start with that? Do you think Joseph's dad was named David? Now, in, in the scripture, son of David is a title. It's not just a name like, hey, Joseph, you know, your dad, David. No, th- this is son of David. And so he has um, this title announced to him. So the first thing Joseph's getting is this is something big. For one thing, an angel's talking to him. For another, he's calling him son of David. So he knows something big has taken place here. And it is in a dream. Sometimes the angel showed up when people are awake, sometimes in a dream. But Joseph very clearly understood what was taking place. And he heard God speaking to him through the angel. So Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. This is the incarnation, God becoming man, God with us. Now, verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, it says he did not know her until. Um, they... There is no biblical justification at all for saying Mary continued to be a virgin. She was a virgin when she conceived Jesus, but she had other kids. The Bible's very clear on that. So don't believe those who exalt Mary. Yes, Mary's special. We'll look at that another week. Mary is blessed among women, but she was a mom with one unique and special son, and other sons, not so special. My mom kind of had... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, my brothers will hear about that somehow. I don't know. But Joseph learns that she's pregnant. It was a normal betrothal. It seemed like she had been unfaithful. Joseph loved her. He wanted to do what was best for Mary. But Joseph obeyed the word of the Lord. 
He clearly understood the angel was speaking the word of the Lord and he obeyed him. And how quickly did he do it? He woke up and did it. He woke up and took her to be his wife. They were probably had the marriage ceremony that day. Now, uh, turn back to Luke, only chapter 2 this time. Luke chapter 2. Joseph shows up again. It's interesting all the things we associate with the Christmas story are spread out over a two and a half to three year period. Actually, some, from the beginning of John the Baptist, a three and a half year period. Till, so this is a long time period that stuff took place. And, and so when the angel came and talked to Joseph, Mary was approximately three months along because she was expecting between when the angel announced it and she showed up to see Elizabeth, she was expecting Jesus and Elizabeth responded to that. And so now uh, they, they get married and so six months later they're having a baby. But, but in our minds it all kind of runs together, doesn't it? It's just one thing after another, after another, after another. But there's a time gap in there. So in verse 2, it came to, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered for taxation. This census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now, in the Old Testament, when you read about the city of David, it's talking about Jerusalem, because that's where David ruled. But in the census for taxation, they talk about the city of David. It's Bethlehem because that's where David was born. So in the same way, um, you know, some of you were born in a different city. I was born in Tucson, not all that far away, uh, at Davis Monthan Air Force Base Hospital. And Kathy was born in Michigan, but our city is now Casa Grande. But if you talk about the city of birth then we live a long way apart. If you talk about the city where we live, thankfully, we have the same address. <laughs> and we're going to keep it that way. So while they were there, the days were accomplished, completed for her to be delivered. Now, doesn't that sound so calm? You know, when Clorinda was expecting Savannah, the days were accomplished that Savannah should be born and Clorinda should be delivered. Ah. Is that how it was? <laughs> no, she said, ah, after she saw you, but not in the process, okay? Um, then in verse 7, she brought forth her firstborn son. Now, firstborn, some people make a big deal. Yeah, see, that proves she had other sons. In the Jewish culture, firstborn is a title. So, the firstborn son, now, like, Clorinda has a couple of sons. In our culture, who would be her firstborn son? Hunter. Why? He was born first. 
But in their culture, she could make Dawson her firstborn. What does that mean? Well, he's the favored son, the son of inheritance. Could be Hunter, could be Dawson. She gets to choose. Could be neither one. She could make Lucas her firstborn son. In, in their culture, firstborn is a title. And see, you remember the story in Abraham where Abraham said, God, you said I was going to have a son. I haven't had a son. I have a servant who has a son, Eliezer. I'm going to make Eliezer my firstborn son. And God said, no, you're not. Wait on me. So in our culture, some people say, well, that just proves. See, that was her firstborn son, and then she had other sons. It's a title. He is her firstborn son. And he, he lived up to all the hype, too. Verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, in their culture, they didn't have inns like hotels. An uh, inn was actually a guest room in the house, and there was no room, so they had to sleep up right up against the animals. There's stories, you know, oh, they were out back in a cave, or they were, in, most of the nativity scenes show them in a barn with just the animals. It wasn't quite like that. In Their homes and their animals were together. They had separate rooms, and so they were up against the room with the animals where the feeding took place. So uh, the angel tells Joseph to marry Mary, and Joseph obeyed immediately. And then he had to move his family from Nazareth down to Bethlehem because of the uh, census that was taking place for taxation. And then uh, Joseph was with Mary when Jesus was born. Now, when I was born, my dad was on the golf course next to the hospital. He said, there's no point waiting here. I might as well go get a couple holes in. And he was disappointed that I was born when he had one of the best games he'd ever had going on, and he got called back to the hospital. It warms your heart to know you were a disappointment from your dad on day one, you know? We get along well now. But now, now the, the shepherds come, and Joseph is with Mary and with when the shepherds come. Look in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 16. Chapter 2, verse 16. The shepherds came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when I was a kid, you know the, the pictures they have of a manger? It's like this little tiny food trough thing. you know. And I thought, that must have been a really big one if Joseph and Mary and the baby were all lying in there. But... Uh, but Joseph and Mary were with the Lord, and they were right together with him, and the shepherds came. Joseph was right there. And so Joseph heard what the angels said to the shepherds. And then in verse 21, when the eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Jesus was announced before conception. John the Baptist was announced before conception. They knew they were going to have a son, and they knew what the name was going to be. Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. That's why he was given that name. So Joseph obeys again by naming this child exactly what the angel told him to name him. He didn't name him Joseph Jr. He named him 
Jesus. And then elsewhere, uh, jump down in verse 33, um, there's a passage from verse 25 to 32 where Simeon is there and Simeon prophesies about Jesus and he tells him all these things. And look in verse 33, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him, of Jesus. So they're marveling at those things spoken by Simeon. They're thinking it through. They're evaluating. They're, they're kind of mind blown by what's taken place. Have you ever noticed that sometimes things become habitual? You know, it's that way. I doubt, seriously, if you start brushing your teeth, if you start counting uh, or the, naming the alphabet or singing whatever song you're supposed to sing, I made up a song for our kids when, when they were brushing their teeth because our oldest didn't like getting her teeth brushed very much. And so I'd sing the song to her while I was brushing her teeth. You sing it through twice and the teeth are pretty well cleaned. And, and it was really fun to hear my kids singing that song to their kids. It was just a silly song I made up. And I'm not going to sing it this morning. You'll have to. <laughs> You'd be saying, oh, if I did. <laughs> So listen, they, they were caring, they were ministering, they were, they were pondering all this stuff. There's a lot of normality to life. Like how many of you, when you get in the car, you think, okay, I put the key in the ignition. If it's an older car, right, what do you do before you turn the key? Pump the gas, right? Older car, pump the gas a little just to remind the car this is what it's supposed to do. And then you turn it on. And, it, and if you got a car with a clutch, you got to think, okay, i got to have the clutch all the way in while I turn it on. Otherwise, the car kind of does something like, you know. And, and you got to think about all this. Okay, i got it all done. All right, now I'm going to put it in reverse to back up. And, and then you got to look at the mirrors and look behind you and do all you, you don't think of it that much. You get out on the road, you pull up to the traf- traffic light, and you're going to turn right. You think, okay, I got to turn on my right turn signal, and then I got to slow down. I got to come to a complete and safe stop, and then I got to look for traffic. And if it's clear and safe, then I can pull out and go. You, you just do it, it becomes routine. What do you think the pregnancy became for Joseph and Mary? Do you think every day they thought, wow, this is amazing? I think some days Mary just thought, wow, this is big. Can't wait till he's born. It was the normal life. And so they've had this relatively normal life for all these months. And then the shepherds burst in the day he's born. And then, wow, and then another week takes place and there's nothing exciting. And then on the eighth day, they take him to the temple and this is normal, relatively normal. Well, not in the temple on the eighth day, but the the circumcision, the temple came on the 40th day. And, and they're taking him up to the temple, and this is like, wow. No, they're just, here's the offering, here's the baby, and then Simeon comes and takes the baby and has this amazing prophecy. And see, sometimes we want super big, spectacular spiritual events. But God is God of the normal, everyday events too. Some days are wow. You know, when, I, when, when Jess was born, 
it was an emergency delivery, and the nurse was freaking out. And so I just kind of took over because I'd been through Lamaze training, you know. And, and so I was just doing it. And the doctor came in. I thought he was going to now kick me out. And, and he let me deliver her. And it was really cool, really special. In fact, I, I got to weigh her and measure her and all that stuff. And I walk in the recovery room with her and I said to Kathy, I can't wait till next time, you know. <laughs> and there's a word she never says. I've never heard her say it to any of our kids or grandkids. She looked at me and said something that really sounded like, shut up. <laughs> I'm not certain that's what she said, but. But you know, Mary was exhausted when the shepherds came in. And now she's coming to the temple. She's, she's, and now Simeon does this and this is spectacular and this is amazing. And then they go back and they have to move. Um, in fact, turn back to Matthew chapter two. Um, they're relatively comfortable there and then they have to pack up and move again. Um, In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 15, uh, the angel told uh, Joseph that he needed to move. And uh, so, I'm sorry, it's verse 13. "When, When the wise men had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And he arose and took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. The angel told him, do this. He woke up in the middle of the night and did it. And then look in verse 19. Uh, Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. Verse 21. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother and came to the land of Israel. God said, do this. Joseph did. And then in verse 22, we heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there because Archelaus was... Herod was a violent, vicious man. He murdered a bunch of babies trying to kill the king who was coming. And then his son was just as evil and probably, according to a lot of historical accounts, slightly mentally unhinged. So Joseph didn't want to go there. So uh, he says in the middle of that verse, being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee and came and dwelt in the city of Nazareth uh, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet. He shall be called a Nazarene. So the, the prophecy said the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. He would come out of Egypt. He would come out of Nazareth. And Jesus fulfilled all three because God moved them around to make exactly that happen. So they returned to Galilee. They returned to their own city of Nazareth. Look in verse 41. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, sorry. If you, if you find verse 41 in Matthew chapter 2, you need a new Bible. All right. Luke chapter 2 and verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So Joseph led his family there. Uh, He guided them. They went to the feast of the Passover every year. And 
So when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. That was the normal practice. So some of you parents, you're, you're making sure your kids are in church every Sunday. I, I think that honors the Lord. I think it's good. It's not every Sunday they're going to go, Wow, I learned so much! Sunday school was amazing! But over time, it helps your spiritual health, just like eating healthfully helps your physical health. Studying your Bible, learning it, being in church, in Sunday school, in Awana, those help your spiritual body to grow, uh, to be strengthened. And then look in verse 48. Verse 48, Luke chapter 2. Oh, I've got to change pages here. Luke chapter 2, verse 48. So when they saw him, they were amazed. Uh, they, they had been looking for Jesus. Remember, he, he stayed it behind. And in, in our cults, I mean, if the Pentecost loaded up in their van and drove away and they'd left a kid behind, they'd probably notice right away. Right? Hey, Mom, uh, Hunter's not here. And Tim would say, he's strapped to the roof rack. Don't worry about it. Um, but they would notice, right? Um, in their culture, they traveled by big groups. And so cousins would hang out together and you'd caravan along. And so they didn't know where Jesus was. So they went back and they'd been looking for him. They didn't find him. It took three days. Maybe the three days was one day out and then one day back and then one day looking. Or the way it's written in Scripture, we can't be sure that it's they went out a day, came back a day, and spent three days looking. We, we can't tell for sure. It's one of those two. But if you're missing a kid for three to five days, how many of you think that's cool? That, that's terrifying, isn't it? Even if they're 12, that's terrifying. And one of the kids raised their hand like, I could think of one we could miss for three to five days. Um, but look what they said when they saw him, verse 48 again, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your, <coughs> excuse me, your father and I have, I, I, I sought you anxiously. They were nervous. They were struggling. They were fine. You know, the panic when a kid is missing. I mean, we have amber alerts that go all over it, and then sometimes they find out the kid just went next door, but nobody thought to ask the next door, next door neighbor. But it's a panic. It goes out statewide. We have this big amber alert. And so they, they've been looking all over for him, asking everybody for him, and then they find him. And look in verse 49. He said to them, Why did you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, his dad, Joseph, was a carpenter and a builder. They, the carpenters didn't just do woodworking, they did building. And so that's why at the, I have this picture of a house that maybe some of that stuff could have been, it's, it's just a, a picture of what a house could have looked like in ancient Israel. And there's a lot of wood in there and a lot of stuff they would build with. But look at verse 50. They did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They didn't fully get it. Now, culturally, Joseph was the father. Um, the neighbors called Jesus the son of Joseph the carpenter. We see that in Luke chapter 3. Joseph was an authority in Jesus' life. We see that here in verse 51. Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. So Joseph was, um, Matthew 13, 55, calls him a, a carpenter and builder. 
Now, we have an illustration of that in our church, Gary Burnett. He doesn't do that now, but he did. In fact, there was a time when Gary built a houseboat and they lived on it. No, it was a sailboat, not a houseboat. It was a big, beautiful sailboat, but they lived on it. So it was a house-slash-sailboat. Now, if you ever stayed on a houseboat, they're different. But, but it was a big, beautiful sailboat, and Gary built it, and they lived in it. How many of you wives would want to go live in a boat your husband built? I, I, I only see one hand. Alice's. <laughs> so, so that's what Joseph was. He, he could work with wood. He could build. He could do things. And, I mean, they hired, Gary and Alice moved here, and a company hired him right away to go in and fix the problems in the houses they built. Because he could fix anything. And that's how Joseph was. He was this guy, he could do woodworking, he could build things, and, and everybody knew who he was. And so, isn't this Jesus, the son of the carpenter, builder guy? So, we've been looking at some of the scriptures about Joseph, And I I want to quickly share with you five things that really stand out to me in the life of Joseph. Number one, Joseph worked hard. He worked hard. Now, this isn't a picture of Joseph. This is a picture of a guy using an old-style plane to flatten word out. And I know it's not that old because his pants are, like, less than 100 years old. Um, And so, but Joseph worked hard. Being a carpenter today is hard work. In that day, they didn't have tree, uh, they didn't have mills and tree farms, and they didn't have all of that stuff. You couldn't go to Home Depot or Lowe's and stock up on wood. You you had to make your own wood. You had to cut the tree down. You had to trim it and shape it and do it. And uh, so Joseph was a hardworking guy. Secondly. He was a just man, the scripture says, and he was kind. He wanted to, excuse me, he wanted to do what was right, but he also wanted to be kind to Mary. He wanted to do it privately, secretly, so that it wouldn't be as difficult on her. And thirdly, Joseph was obedient to God. Every time in Scripture we see God's Word being spoken to him from an angel, what do you see Joseph doing? Obeying. Sometimes in the middle of the night. I want you to move. He packs up and moves in the middle of the night. At one time, we had to move quickly. A situation came up and we had to move quickly. And Kathy was actually in Arizona visiting family. And I called her and I said, hey, you know, we're, we need to move. And so I got to buy a house or rent a house, find a place to live. So if you want to have a voice in that, maybe you should come back early. And man, they packed up and came back early. Um, but Joseph obeyed immediately. The command, the obedience. The angel said, I want you to marry Mary. He got up and married her. I want you to go to Egypt. He left in the middle of the night. I want you to leave Egypt. Go back. He left and obeyed. No, go up to Nazareth. He went up to Nazareth. And, you know, I get the idea that Joseph was so focused on obeying the Lord, if the angel said, okay, now, I want you to do it all again. Go back to Bethlehem, then Egypt, then come back. Joseph would have done it. Most of the problems we have are not because we don't know God's Word. It's because we know it, 
and we don't follow it wholeheartedly. Joseph followed it wholeheartedly. A fourth thing, Joseph guided his family to follow God. He guided them to follow God. From the circumcision of Jesus to the year's trips to Jerusalem for Passover, they lived up in Nazareth. They went down to Jerusalem. It's not like Kathy and I are going to take a trip to Tucson. Okay, mileage-wise, it's close to that, but we can get there and back in a car. It's no big deal. A week ago or a week and a half ago, I went up to Sholo. I left here early in the morning, drove up to Sholo, saw my folks, saw my sisters, drove back the same day. Slept in my own bed the night before and that night. When they made that journey, it was a long and costly journey. Joseph and the boys probably walked the whole way, maybe the girls too. But it was very unusual for the boys to ride on a donkey. They would walk. And so, let's go. I mean, if if Ben said tomorrow morning to his boys, Hey boys, come on, we're going to walk to Tucson. I think they'd look to mom and say, help. (laughs) So Joseph guided his family to follow God. He said, yeah, but God was part of his family. Yeah, but uh, while he was on the earth, you see the human side of Jesus more than the divine side of Jesus. You, you see, the human side, even when he did miracles, he did them as a man under the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph guided his family to follow God. And then lastly, like John the Baptist we looked at last week, Joseph likely died young, but he also likely died faithful. There's no mention of Joseph after that e- event when Jesus was 12. Now, there's a gap of 18 years that we don't know anything about Jesus' life. He was 12 years old, and then he was about 30. And so the gap in there is at least, you know, 17 and a half years. We don't know what took place. So it's possible Joseph died when Jesus was 13. It's possible he was still alive when Jesus was 29. We don't know. But John the Baptist died when... He was around 30. Jesus died when he was around 33. John the Baptist died a little before that. And Joseph probably died young. And so remember, again, it's not how long you live, it's how well you live that makes a difference. Joseph left a legacy that speaks into our lives today. Work hard. Guide your family to follow God. Obey God's word. Show kindness and love. Think things through. Joseph left a legacy that speaks into our lives, even though he died a lot younger than I am. Probably. The Bible doesn't say. He just disappears from the record. And normally, that's because of death. You know something else cool? We'll get to see him in heaven. And you will get to ask somebody what it was really like to have a perfect son. Because he did. Now, I don't know what God's doing in your life. We know what he did in Joseph's life, and I know some of what he's doing in my life, but 
God does not give everyone a lot of years to live, but he gives everyone a lot of living in each year. How are you living for the Lord this year? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you following him? When God encourages you to do something because you're reading your word, his word, or the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart in prayer, uh, do you obey and do what he encourages you to do? See, when we're all in heaven, you will never be embarrassed that you didn't have the fanciest car or the coolest clothes. And when, when you're in heaven... What will matter there will be, what did you do when God spoke into your heart? And if you obey in heaven, you'll have awesome, eternal rewards. And if you don't, you'll miss out.